This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Evening, I'm Maureen McGrath, laboring on this Labor Day, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show. It's been said your health is your wealth and leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and yes, 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 even sexual. Listener discretion is advised. Please put the kitties to bed because we always uncover what lies beneath the covers here on the health show. I have a passion for evidence-based health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. My aim is to provide you with up-to-date information so that you know there are options for treatment for whatever ails you. However, this is no replacement for a visitor for a visit to your doctor. Tonight on the program, we're talking about stress-related illnesses that are fixable, the keto diet, menopause and perimenopause, the Kegel throne for all your bladder leaks, mental health and sex at midlife, successful relationship stages, gender reveals, my tips for back-to-school success, success, including my recipe for French toast casserole, complete with whipped cream, of course, sure to be a crowd favorite for the entire family. Well, we had some uh, funerals this week, Aretha Franklin and John McCain, uh, or John McCain and Aretha Franklin, heart and soul, were laid to rest, but not without a proper send-off. I, I particularly loved Aretha Franklin's uh, funeral service where uh, so many R&B singers uh, did renditions of all of her songs, and it was amazing. I'd like the exact same at my funeral, just saying it now. I don't want it to happen soon, um, but I w- would like the top 40. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm okay. You brought up the keto diet. That's actually what my doctor had me on a modified for a while. Oh, is that right? And mm-hmm. were you successful on that? Yeah, I actually dropped about 15, 20 pounds off of it. Oh, really? And, and you've kept it off? I was ecstatic because he was like, just eat as much meat as you want. And I was going, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. I know. That's the problem I've had with it is I can't, I don't really like meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, that I can, there would Couldn't be problems really live on there. Eggs. Yeah. But no, yeah, for me, it, it worked pretty good. Yeah, as great. well as you know, just not drinking pop. That would be <laughs> that helpful too. Really help. <laughs> are you still are you still on it? Uh, not officially, live? but like I I keep it in mind. Yeah, like yeah. I consciously will like I'll play it up with rice, then I'll remove a quarter of it. Just right, <laughs> just a- out of force of habit now. <laughs> just as a yeah, maybe I don't need all that. Not on the modified keto diet. <laughs> that rice, anything white, really. Yeah, and that's a shame because white bread, grilled cheese, inseparable. Favorites, all of them. Love them all. I feel like an awful cheater when that happens, but I, cake. I, I, I can't say no. See, I'm not a cake person. <laughs> I am. Sweets, cookies. I love them all. In fact, I was in pursuit of an ice cream today because I had a bit of a sore throat. Mm. So if you notice the raspiness in my voice, it is related week to... Week two of the raspiness, hey? It's, <laughs> week two it's of just, raspy. It's just, not a, it's just not being kind to you. You sound fine, though. So That's right. Well, I was stress. up really late last week. And again, of course, I was up really late last night as well. So I got to stop those late nights uh, and I might get my voice back. Hopefully I don't lose my voice because a lot of the work that I do, uh, it relates to my own voice. So, Well, for the sake of the program, you only have to tough it out for another hour and uh, 53 minutes here. Oh, so I believe in you for at least the next little bit. <laughs> thank you. And I believe in you supporting me back there behind the boards, Andrew. Thank, thank you. you so much. Um, so we have so much to cover on the show tonight, but right now I want to talk about working. This is Labor Day, of course, and you know I feel very grateful to have the work that I do. Uh, uh, 8,000 Canadians are looking at losing their job over the next little while uh, due to the Trans Mountain Pipeline 
project controversy. So uh, very grateful if I, uh, given the work that I do, and an added bonus is that I absolutely love the work I do. A lot of people think I just do this radio show, not to say just, I don't really like that word, but a lot of people say, oh, so you're just full-time at the radio station? I'm like, how blonde do you think I am? You think it takes me 40 hours to prepare for this two-hour show? (laughs) It's all up here. Um, But actually, it isn't. I have a clinical practice, and so I glean a lot of my subjects from the patients that I see, and I'm really grateful for that. And I do have a patient who's uh, coming in the studio to share her story about the keto diet, so that's going to be very interesting. But uh, So I do some other things as well. I do some consulting and and I have a clinical practice. As I said, I do some Skype consults. Also, I'm, I'm involved in social media in a fairly big way on Twitter and back to the bedroom. This show goes on iTunes. It's a free download on iTunes. So head on over there and subscribe. Share it if you like that. I'd be forever grateful to you. But if you miss something or you want to hear it again, three times for the normal mind, uh, you may want to head on over to iTunes. You can just Google iTunes, Maureen McGrath, and there it pops up. Couldn't be easier. Uh, so lots to cover on the show tonight, but right now I want to talk, as I said, about working, working while you commute. Do you do that? Do you answer emails? Do you take calls? I do, I have to say. Uh, if I'm on a train, for example, I may speak to a, a client out there, or if I'm, I, I recently I was on the up train in Toronto, and <laughs> I took about, you know, 20 minutes worth of calls on that train. So it makes the ride that much nicer. Uh, also, you may uh, take do emails on your commute if you're on uh, some type of public transportation. And so, you know, does that help, especially as we are sending the kids back to school now, the most wonderful time of the year, sending them off to school? Um, and so th- is this something that helps you to actually add on to your day? So while you're commuting, is it better to be mindful, looking out the window, maybe taking a little bit of a break, some rest? Or or is it better for you to be productive and answer your emails or take calls or text or post on social media or whatever you do for your work? Um, you know, so it's it's something to consider because a lot of people will say that it helps them. It actually will cut their time down at work and help them to be more productive. One of the worst things apparently you can do, according to research, is answer your emails or, you know, get up in the morning and first thing is look at the emails. That's exactly what I do every single morning. <laughs> but I I am not behind on emails. I answer every single one of them. Delete a lot too. But, um, you know, so there is a new study that says if travel time were work time, there would be many social and economic benefits and, and impacts. Norway allows workers to count travel time as office time. You know, some people have an hour commute on both ends. That's a lot of time. And you can actually accomplish a lot when nobody is knocking on your office door or you're, you know, they're not overloaded and, you know, distracted at work. Uh, maybe you're talking to somebody that you shouldn't be. Um, So if you use your commute to catch up on your work email, do you think that time should be counted as part of the working day? So a new study by researchers who analyzed thousands of commuters' online habits, if travel time were to count as work time, there, as I said, a tremendous amount of economic benefits. And this research study was done out of the University of West England. They surveyed several thousand commuters on trains in and out of London, and they asked them all sorts of questions. And so what do you think of um, being on a train? 
Is this work? Should you be paid for it? Um, should you use your commute to catch up on, on this time? Are we overloaded at work? Are we getting far too many emails? Many of the respondents in the study expressed how they consider their, their commute time as time to catch up with work before or after their traditional working day. And that was based from the, the summary of the study. It enabled people to switch roles as well, this transitional time. So it enabled a lot of people to transition from being a parent, for example, getting the kids ready for school in the morning to a business director during the day. So they use it as a transitional time, maybe to chill out a little bit. Uh, and a lot of people felt that it was important to their sanity that they get work done on the train because they're so busy. In our lives today, we are so busy with work and having the perfect home and having the perfect children and, you know, making our lives appear, uh, you know, doing it all. Perhaps we're caring for our parents, caring for our children. We're busy, busy, busy. And then sometimes, and which is why I have a clinical practice, people are busy doing all the wrong things and they forget one particular aspect of their relationship, the intimacy aspect. So will this benefit you if you take that time, that dead time in the morning on a train, if you commute by train or if you uh, carpool with somebody else or if you take the bus? And so what is the best way to use that dead time? And is it something that you think about or do you think that, no, my employer does not pay me for this, so I'm not going to be working on on the train? As I go there, you know, is this something that you feel uh, you want to do it because you don't want to take your work home as a lot of people do take their work home and finish what you didn't finish during the day? Maybe you don't want to work in the evenings. Maybe you're taking your kids to soccer practice or to hockey. And so you think I don't have time to do this, send these emails or even answer your emails. And uh, so, you know, is it time, like Norway, to count travel time as part of your working day and actually get compensated for it? The findings on workers' use of smartphones and other devices to stay plugged in highlight the importance of how our public transit should provide particular services to commuters. So Wi-Fi should be provided, for example. Um, you know, and so to make it a comfortable uh, place, maybe provide a desk so that you can put your computer on it, maybe make it a little bit bigger so that you can have some leg room. We have so many complicated work-life decisions to make because men and women, mothers and fathers are both working inside and outside of the home. These days, men are are expected to pick up a little bit more of the share of the work. Uh, Many bosses and their employees debate what qualifies as work and where the line between personal and professional time should be drawn. Anyway, it's an interesting subject. Uh, is, is our, are our lives going to become so embroiled in work that we're not going to have any time to rest? I hope not. If you have any questions at all about anything we're talking about on the show tonight and very soon, uh, when we come back after the break, we're talking about the keto diet. Uh, my my patient, Lori C., Uh, She has lost 35 pounds in two months, and we're going to hear all about that. Well, if you want to talk to her, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program. I am a registered nurse, a nurse continence advisor, and a sexual health educator. And I see a lot of patients in my clinical practice and through uh, online visits as well who have issues with body image. In fact, about 94% of women will complain about a body part every single day. The ketogenic diet is a very low-carb, high-fat diet that shares many similarities with Atkins and other low 
carb diets. It involves drastically reducing carbohydrate intake and replacing it with fat. Yes, you heard it right. Fat. This reduction in carbs puts your body into a metabolic state called ketosis. And when this happens, your body becomes incredibly efficient at burning fat for energy. It also turns fat into ketones in the liver and that can supply energy for the brain. Ketogenic diets can cause massive reductions in blood sugar and insulin levels. And this along with the increased ketones has numerous health benefits on your heart, on your skin, on polycystic ovary ovary syndrome, on epilepsy, on Alzheimer's disease, and brain injuries. In fact, one animal study found that the diet can reduce concussions and aid recovery after brain injuries. Lori C. has joined me in the studio. She has lost 35 pounds in the last two months on her ketogenic diet. Lori, thank you for joining me in the studio. Thank you for having me. So you're on a ketogenic diet. You had some body image issues at a weight of about 225 pounds. So you're under that 200-pound mark, and you're doing the ketogenic diet. And uh, how, how do you find it? I have more energy than I've had in my entire life. So you've ne- never felt better? Never felt better. So what's a day like in the life of... Uh, Lori C. with her ketogenic diet. So waking up in the morning, um, you know, uh, being a carnivore now. (laughs) Well, I also do intermittent fasting with it. Okay. So waking up in the morning is a cup of coffee, black, and a whole bunch of water. And I don't start eating until at least noon. Is that every day? Every day. So how long? So intermittent fasting is something else? It's goes along with the keto diet, makes okay. you more successful. Okay. And so how long do you fast for? I fast for 16 hours a day. Every single day? Every day. And so the idea is that that will help to increase your metabolic rate and help you to lose weight faster, increase or store fat, and makes your body even that much more efficient. Correct. I hence have 70 pounds to lose total, so okay. I want it to keep going. So hence the 35-pound weight loss in two months, because that's a pretty short amount of time. Right. Okay, so uh, what? how about uh, going out to restaurants? How difficult is the ketogenic diet when you go out to restaurants? I find it incredibly easy. I was at um, a golf tournament the other day, and I had a cheeseburger. No bun. No bun. No bun. No french fries. <laughs> Just a cheeseburger, no condiments. A lot of people would think that's sacrilegious. It was delicious. I enjoyed every minute of it. And I went out to dinner that same night to a Greek restaurant. I had lamb tips and vegetables. And I was perfectly happy all day. Okay. And do you find that you are hungry on this diet? Never. Never hungry. I have to force myself to eat. Okay. Were you a sugar person before, a sugar oh, yes. addict? Oh, I had I had an ice cream sundae almost every night. In fact, you were a vegan before. I was a vegan. Yes. Right. And so now you're a carnivore. Yes. And were did you did you do you feel you were addicted to sugar? Did you were you a hundred percent in and pursuit of even, sugar all the time? Even more carbs. Even more so carbs. Right. So what do you eat for carbs now? Ugh, only the carbs that are in vegetables. And all vegetables or? So no, only basically low glycemic vegetables. Okay. So carrots would be out. No carrots. No carrots. No. What are some of the other higher broccoli, glycemic? Broccoli. Um, oh, these are the low these glycemic. These are the ones that I eat. That you I can only, eat. only really eat broccoli, um, cauliflower, green beans. Mushroom. So I, mushrooms. I used to eat beets and carrots and, and I got very fat. Um, eating beets and carrots. Eating beets and carrots, which you <laughs> and, would think as a vegan you would stay really thin. And I was, but did you eat a lot of rice as well um, when you were a vegan? Yep, 
Yes. And I, I ate a lot of um, grains because I thought that was – and beans. Beans were horrible. And I don't eat any of that anymore. And how long of a time period did you gain the weight? Oh, gosh. Well, probably over the past five years is when it – while I was vegan, I just got extremely heavy. And you, you, so you gained 70, 75 Easy. pounds? Over, over those five years. Right. And how about traveling, for example? Is, it, is traveling difficult on being on a plane and only being offered, you know, the crackers that they give you? And it isn't because I don't eat anything they offer. I, I always pack pepperoni and cheese and macadamia nuts, things that I know I can eat and that I can just throw in a bag. So you have to be pretty organized and Very planned. organized. And so it doesn't sound like you eat too much, to be honest with you. A cheeseburger, um, so burger and maybe cheese on it. And that's it? And no vegetables at lunch? But I have to say that prior to this, mm-hmm. I could, I'm five foot three, I could easily eat my six foot three husband under the table. Oh, could you? Okay. Well, I have somebody on the line. Hello, Ka- Catherine from Surrey is on the line, Surrey, British Columbia. Hello, Catherine. Hi. I just wanted to know about coconut oils. Oh, do use coconut oil, and I know there's been a lot of bad reputation, a lot of bad articles about things, but if you look at who's doing the articles that say that coconut oil is bad for you, it's usually by the canola oil people. You know, some physicians feel that, that uh, coconut oil is uh, not beneficial either, in part because it goes from, um, it, it turns into liquid, and that's, that's one of the problems that, that it has in terms right. of the type of fat that it is. What was your question in particular, Catherine, around coconut oils? Cooking with it. Cooking with it. I do yeah. use I do use it uh, on the keto diet, but I I use more I use um, grass fed butter more than I use coconut oil. I use coconut oil occasionally. Okay, but coconut oil is not a miracle cure weight as it has been um, claimed to have been. Right. Uh, there there are many claims about that. It's not going to cure lazy thyroid. That's another claim that it's uh, done. Anyway, Catherine, thank you so much for your call. And Lori C., thank you so much. Good luck on your weight loss journey. I really appreciate you sharing your story with everybody. And that's a tremendous success. 35 pounds and uh, another 35 to go, I guess. a lot more to go, yeah. And you know how that's done. So that's fantastic. Enjoy your next meal. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're talking about a lot of health subjects tonight, including menopause. If you have any questions at all about perimenopause or menopause, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. You can always email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. I'll be reading your emails a little bit later on in the program. Menopause is defined as the absence of menstrual periods for 12 months. It is the moment... Uh, is the time in life, in a woman's life, when the function of the ovaries cease. The process of menopause does not um, occur overnight. It's a gradual process, and that is called perimenopause. And those are the years leading up to menopause. And this transition period is different for every woman. The average age of menopause is 51 years old, but menopause can occur as early as the 30s or as late as the 60s. And there can be surgical menopause as well. There's no reliable lab test to predict when a woman will experience menopause. And the age at which a woman starts having her menstrual periods is not related to the age of menopause onset. You've probably heard about some of the symptoms of menopause. They can include abnormal vaginal bleeding, hot flashes, 
and mood changes, night sweats, and uh, leakage of urine. And you can also have complications after menopause, which include osteoporosis and heart disease. Dr. Bell Pawa is my guest. Uh, and she's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the program. And we're going to be talking about um, hormone therapy. She specializes in women's health and uh, is the co-founder of the West Coast Women's Clinic for Hormone Health. There's been a lot of controversy around hormones and hormone health. Um, And, you know, stress is a big issue for a lot of people. And there are so many... um, there are so many health problems related to stress that can uh, that you can fix. But right, so right now I'm going to focus on the problems related to stress that you can fix. In a little while, we're going to be talking to Bell Powell later about menopause, so um, we can we'll bring it all together. You know, I like to bring. Uh, I like to get stressed out. No, I don't. I like you to get stressed out. No, I don't like that either. But a lot of people get stressed out about really small things. And your stress itself could be making you sick. Stress doesn't only make us feel awful emotionally, it actually takes the joy out of life. And it can also exacerbate just about any health condition you can think of, including menopause. Studies have found that many health problems related to stress, and it seems to worsen or increase the risk of conditions such as obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and diabetes, depression, gastrointestinal problems, and asthma, of course. And, you know, sometimes stress, the only symptom you can have of anxiety is that you can't take a deep breath. Something else I'd like to say about anxiety is that anxiety is contagious, especially as we're looking at this time of year where kids are going back to school, if you have them, or, you know, we're, we're off that's those summer months. And I know it's been stressful shaving your legs all summer, but you know what? Now you're getting back to work and you're not getting as much vacation in. And, you know, work can get a little bit more difficult, challenging. The lead up to the holidays is, you know, is a, a difficult time. But if you're stressed, other people in your life may actually <laughs> catch that stress or catch that anxiety. And I hear from patients in my clinical practice, they'll say, my child is stressed, my child is upset. And I think, well, you've presented to me with anxiety or stress that's poorly managed. And so you need to actually deal with your own stress. And then you'll notice that your child's stress or anxiety will likely diminish as well. Heart disease, the number one killer of women. Researchers have long suspected that the stressed out type A personality has a higher risk of high blood pressure and heart problems, and we don't know exactly why. But stress can directly increase your heart rate and blood flow, and it also causes the release of cholesterol and triglycerides into your bloodstream. And it's also possible that stress is related to other problems, and you may actually gain weight from stress, and you may increase your likelihood of smoking. I see that these e-cigarettes are coming in to Canada. I don't even want to say the name of them because they are addictive. They have, there's been some uh, controversy around marketing them to teenagers and, um, and, and some people, you know, they are, they're, um, you know, advertised as it's a way to uh, reduce cigarette smoking, but there's not a lot of evidence to support that as well. Sudden emotional stress can also be a trigger for serious cardiac problems, and that includes heart attacks. And women are at risk of heart attacks, and they're especially at risk of heart attacks during menopause, during that middle time of life. And people who have chronic heart problems need to avoid that acute stress. And But really, it's about managing 
successfully those unavoidable stresses as much as you can. And so having your strategies, having your techniques, mindfulness, calming down, actually looking at like ask the you know, ask yourself this question. Is this a first world problem? I often ask myself that question. And then I think, yeah, it actually is. I'm not really going to get stressed about it. Um, asthma. Many studies have shown that stress can worsen asthma. And there's some evidence to suggest that a parent's chronic stress might even increase the risk of developing asthma in their children. And one study looked at how parental stress affected those asthma rates of young children who were also exposed to air pollution or whose mothers smoked during pregnancy. And the children with stressed out parents had a substantially higher risk of developing asthma. Sometimes I wonder if that asthma isn't actually anxiety. Obesity, of course, and that, you know, a lot of women will gain weight. The metabolic rate will decrease during menopause and they can get excess fat in the belly. And that poses greater health risks than fat on your legs or your hips. And unfortunately, that's where people with high stress seem to store it. And I can almost see women in my clinical practice who present, or even men, they have the large guts and, you know, I think higher hormone cortisol, you know, you're stressed out and you're, that's stress weight that you have on you. And, and that cortisol release seems to increase the amount of fat that is deposited in your abdomen. And nobody likes to have a gut abdomen, you know, uh, you know, fat in their gut. It's not even nice to look at. <laughs> it's a big turnoff. I hear so many women in my clinical practice say, you know what, if my husband just took off the weight in his gut, I'd be more attracted to him. Um, and women have body image issues around weight in their abdomen. They don't like to have their abdomen touched during sex. And even though it might feel good or it might be arousing, but so it can really impact the intimacy in your relationship. Stress can worsen diabetes in two ways. First, it increases the likelihood of bad behavior. So if you're stressed out, you're more likely to eat unhealthily and also to potentially drink alcohol excessively. And also, stress seems to raise the glucose level of people's with of people with type two diabetes. That's that adult onset diabetes, often managed by diet, exercise, and medication. Headaches. Stress is considered one of the most common triggers for headaches. Not just tension headaches, but migraine headaches as well. And of course, stress can make depression and anxiety so much worse, and that cannot come to a surprise, as a surprise to anybody. Chronic stress is connected with higher rates of depression and anxiety. And there was a survey recently that found that people who had stress related to their jobs, like demanding work with few rewards, had an 80% higher risk of developing depression. Another thing is... Um, uh, is also finances, financial problems. Do you have money shame? Uh, how was it that your family dealt with money? How are you teaching your children to deal with money? Are you living like me well beyond your means? <laughs> but I don't really care. Uh, so as long as I can manage it, like what's the big deal? Uh, but you know what? No. I'm kidding about that. We really have, I believe we need to teach money management in high school. So to save a particular amount, not to live beyond your means, people get a high when they purchase things and when they buy things. And oftentimes if I'm in a store and I'm looking at something and then I think, yeah, I could buy that, but do I really need that? You know, I, I ask myself that question. Do I really need that? Do I really need to spend the time? And is that going to make me feel any better? And oftentimes the answer is no. And I'm not going to walk away and I'm not going to buy it um, because we can get addicted to that. Also, gastrointestinal problems are worsened by um, stress, but it will not cause ulcers, but it can make them worse. 
and Alzheimer's disease is another one. And there was an animal study that found that stress might worsen Alzheimer's disease, causing brain lesions to form more quickly. And it will accelerate aging. You can see those people who are chronically stressed out. They look older. They act older. They respond older. So my, it's, there's so many ways to manage your stress, to ask yourself some real questions. Be grateful. Have a gratitude journal. Get your adequate sleep and rest. And, you know, think about those those $5 uh, coffee drinks that, um, that may have high calories as well, or how much alcohol you're consuming on, or what you're relying on to manage your stress. Talk to your doctor about it. There's lots of different ways today to handle your stress, live a better life, and live longer. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Hopefully you're having a wonderful evening. If you have any questions at all for me, the number to call is one 399 9898 That's 1-877-399-9898. You can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. Have you ever been told to do Kegel exercises for leakage of urine? Are you doing them properly? Do you remember to do them? Here's the buzz on the vibrating throne that does Kegels for you. Rebecca is on the line, and she's going to share her experience, an often embarrassing condition, leakage of urine, and her treatment with the Kegel throne. Good evening, Rebecca. Good evening. How are you tonight? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm much better now. Fantastic. That's great. (laughs) So uh, would you mind, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, leakage of urine is never normal. I would like to say that first. It's highly embarrassing. It can lead to, uh, it's, it's, uh, you're probably much too young for this, but it's the, leakage of urine is the number one reason for admission to long-term care facilities. It results in increased laundry. You need uh, more caregiving in the home. Uh, you, you can be extremely embarrassing. It can happen at, at intimate times. It can happen when you least expect it. It can happen for no reason or you think that it's no reason. And diagnosis is important, but so you had leakage of urine, is that correct? I did so. And how? What? When did you leak? Like with cough or sneeze or for no reason or um, yeah, urge? Pretty much you can you can pretty much tick all of those boxes. Um, I I'm kind of a little bit of a gym rat, so when I'd go to the gym, like I had a personal trainer, and she would get me to do leg lifts and stuff, and mm-hmm. and just skipping rope and and burpees. Like oh my god. No, no burpees in my world ever. No, and so it, it would just it would just tap, and I would just leak anytime I jumped or anything like that. Yeah, it was awful. And, and you probably weren't too excited about going to the gym after that. No, I was so nervous all the time. I still went, but I I always would blame it on another part of my body, like oh, I can't jump. I hurt my ankle or. Right. I didn't want to tell anybody. That's embarrassing. Of course, of course, and. Um, it's yeah. It's it's terribly embarrassing. It's a it, and and did you think that there were any treatments for leakage of urine? Did you know what to do? No, I seriously would walk down the feminine aisle and I would look at Depends and I thought I am way too young, and my husband and I have a very healthy relationship, and I didn't want him to see me and. Depends. No matter how wonderful they apparently can make them, I yeah no that's. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. The least yeah. sexiest underwear. I do not advise depends. I inv- I no. advise thongs, lace thongs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Which are hard to wear when you're leaking urine. Um, yeah. That was my other question. Did you have to resort to uh, thin pads or a maxi pad, you know, a, an incontinence pad or, 
you were thinking your life was going to be diapers far too soon. Yeah, I really was thinking that. But yeah, I sometimes I did actually wear pads, but I hid it from my husband. Like, I didn't want him to know we would go for a hike or something or we would go for a jog or something. And I would come home and I would just immediately throw everything in the laundry so he wouldn't know that I leaked or anything. He was quite shocked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But as you say, it's embarrassing to say that you leak urine, you know, especially as a young person. We associate that with older people, little old ladies. Yeah, exactly, right? Yes. I Googled it. I mean, like I had been doing research because it's it's been getting worse, not better by any means. Even though I do do Kegels and everything, I tried everything that Google told me to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I started Googling it and then I found out that actually after you have children and stuff, things change down there sometimes and you just get, your pelvic floor gets black. And it sounded like you had... um, a bit of stress urinary incontinence, and that is from uh, uh, increased abdominal pressure, um, provoked uh, pressure, so when you cough or or sneeze, and also that you leaked larger amounts, perhaps with urge. Uh, So you stumbled upon the, uh, what we call endearingly, the Kegel throne, (laughs) which utilizes high-intensity focused electromagnetic therapy that causes deep pelvic floor muscle stimulation and restores the neuromuscular control and actually delivers 11,800 Kegel exercises in 28 minutes. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I've sat on it myself, I have to say. I don't leak urine, just for, for those of you listeners out there who are <laughs> concerned. <laughs> but I, it, you know, I, I actually use it for a very off-label. I had tailbone pain. And um, I thought, that sounds good to me, that little Kegel thing, uh, Kegel throne. So I sat on it and actually resolved my, my tailbone pain. So that was great. Um, but many women have used it, and men have used it, to help with their leakage of urine. So did you do the six treatments of 28 minutes each over three weeks? Yes, I did. I did. And how is your leakage of urine now? There is none. There is none. So it completely resolved it. Yeah, it it totally completely resolved it. Had you tried it? Had you changed anything else in your life? Had you you know reduced the bladder irritants, or you know had you increased your water based fluids, or you didn't have constipation? No, everything stayed the same. Everything stayed the same. And so after six weeks, you're no longer leaking urine. So how's that gym class going? Oh, yeah, I'm loving it. Like, I can run. I can, I'm still not doing burpees because I'm a little bit lazier than I thought that I was, Mm -hmm. but I can jump rope (laughs) with no problems. I can sporadically run without worrying, like, oh, I better go to the washroom first. Yeah, that's great because body aging, childbirth, and perimenopause, menopause can lead to urinary incontinence. And as I say, it's never normal. Also, men who have radical prostatectomies, they may leak urine as well or other treatments for prostate cancer. So they may leak urine. So would you say you're um, more than 95% satisfied with this? Oh, I'm, yes, easily, 100%. And no longer using pads? No, 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 no pads, no nothing. And let me ask you a question. Did you feel older or did you feel like you were getting older faster when you were leaking urine? Oh, yeah. My mom worked in a nursing home. And you thought you better get admitted soon. And I was like, oh, no, I am, (laughs) 
I'm headed that I way. So like those people now. Right. It's like a way too young, way too young for that. Right. And there are a number of treatments for uh, leakage of urine, but the Kegel throne, or, or it's actually known truly as the Amcella, uh, but the Kegel throne treats the entire pelvic floor area. And also patients can sit on that Kegel throne fully clothed. And, you know, when you go to the OBGYN's office or, you know, to a doctor's office that, you know, you're being examined down there, you know, the last thing women like to do is, you know, take everything off from the waist down, get up in the stirrups, you know, be naked there. It's, uh, you know, people can be embarrassed, or if they, especially if they have body image issues or if they leak urine. But this, you sit on it fully clothed. Did you like that? <laughs> oh, it was amazing. You just sit in there and you can have a magazine in your lap. You sit there for 28 minutes. I think it's 28 minutes. It is, yes. Read a book with whatever you wore that day and just put your shoes back on and walk out of the office. That's right. That. And yeah. kind of a time to relax. And how did it feel when you sat on the um, the kegel throne what was it was it painful was it uncomfortable no it or did you kind of like those zings <laughs> i kind of <laughs> like those zings <laughs> well the results from the chair are more than just bladder help too really <laughs> so do tell yeah. girlfriend <laughs> so did it improve um, your sex life well i think well it was really great before but now it's like because your pelvic floor gets tightened and everything down there is kind of intertwined right yeah everything is a little bit uh shall we say firmer and it will increase <laughs> blood flow because of the focused electromagnet magnetic energy and the in-depth penetration and stimulation so you're getting better blood flow to those areas uh your clitoris and and which has eight thousand nerve endings which need blood to nourish it and so many women report better orgasms uh i hate to get personal but <laughs> Would you oh, say yeah. that's true? Oh, yeah. Oh, I highly recommend the chair. <laughs> oh, really? So it helps with your leakage of urine and your sex life is improved? Yes, it was like amazing. Wow, that is amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, my husband really recommends it too. Does he? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Um, well, he sounds like a lucky guy to begin with that he uh, already had a great sex life and now it's better. Uh, yeah. even, even better. And, you know, it's nice that this is a conservative measure. Uh, it's simple. It's easy. You know, just go to your... You went to a clinic in Kelowna? Yes. And which clinic was that? Dermedica. Oh, no, that's not it. Oh, oh no. It's Dr. Wong. <laughs> Dr. Wong in yes. Kelowna has has the device. Yes, that's Yeah, that's right. fantastic. Oh, that's great. Listen, Rebecca, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, um, it's not the most, uh, it's, it's kind of an embarrassing subject, so I really doubly appreciate it. And you got double benefits from the Kegel throne, and I am so happy for you. So stay with me in the second hour. I'm going to talk lots more about sex and relationships. Maureen McGrath, the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.